Thanks for joining us at Faith Bible Chapel. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and brings you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service, find a small group, or simply find out more about the church, stop by our website at www.faith.church. We're continuing our series on the book of Mark, and we call it Exploring Mark, where we've broken it up into three different sections as we come to each one of the, the encounters with Jesus in the book of Mark. And we've broken it into the, the person of Jesus, the power of Jesus, and the purpose of Jesus. And so today, we're going to be talking about this idea of that Jesus is laying out and giving one of the most probably known parable out of, outside of the, the prodigal um, son. This is a very well-known parable. And so what I love about the words of Jesus is though he spoke them 2,000 years ago, he was surrounded by people. They were leaning in. They were listening to him. And he began to tell a story. And that's what we're going to look at today. And so I titled this today, Story Time with Jesus, because I thought it fit really well. As you remember, remember when you were a kid and it was story time in the library? And you went in and the library and opened up their book and you got so excited and you listened to them. And, he, and she sat down or he sat down and, and began to flip the pages. And you were riveted by this, by this story because when I was a kid, we still read books just so you know. So we didn't watch videos until you were riveted. And I remember gathering around and just watching and wait, waiting for the next page to flip because I wanted to see the picture on there. That's what Jesus is doing. He's been ministering and we're coming into Mark chapter 4. He's been, he's been delivering people. He's been, he's been criticized by the Pharisees because of what he says. He's been called the devil. He's been healing people. He's been preaching the truth. And we come to this place that the crowd is pressing in on Jesus. And they're so tight, he has to go out on a boat so he can speak to them. And he gives them this story today. And we're going to read a lot of scripture, scriptures. It's from four, chapter 4, 1 through 20. And here we have Jesus as they are gathered, as they are listening, as they are leaning in. What I love about the words of Jesus because when Jesus speaks, he is fully God. And his words and the words of God never return void. So they are continuing and will continue into eternity. So today we can pull up a seat. We can, uh, we can, we can pull up on the, on the edge of the Sea of Galilee as Jesus floats out into the, 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 the sea and begins to speak. And we can listen and we can open our ears and we can be challenged by him today. And I promise you today this is going to be challenging. But what's wonderful about the words of Jesus is that when he speaks, they encourage us, they transform us, they challenge us, and then they give us hope. And he says, see, I believe in you. We can take another step further. And so that's, that's, that's the whole goal of this. That's why Jesus speaks. And so let's, let's jump into the story. Mark chapter 4, verses, starting in verse 1. And we're going to read for a bit today. And again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it. Out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things and by parables. A parable, again, it's a story, but it's an earthly story with a heavenly principle. That's what a parable is. And in his teaching, Jesus said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly. Because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came out, the plants were scorched. And they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. Oh, I say good soil. Fell on good soil. It came up, it grew, and it produced a crop. 
some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times or 100 fold. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seen but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. In other words, they might turn and be forgiven. When Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Here's another thing. Jesus never asked to ask a question so that he can know something. He asked questions so that we can know something. How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. So he explains that this is one of his first parables. And so we get a little freebie in this one. He actually explains it afterwards. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. He's talking about the soil. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes in and takes away the word that was sown to them. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others like seed sown among the thorns hear the word, but the worries of life... The deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others like seed sown on good soil hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, again, here he says this again, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. So this is where we come today. And Jesus is saying something to the people around and he's saying something to us. Many times this is called the parable of the seed or the parable of the sower. But really, really this is about the parable of the soil. This, is, this whole thing today is not about the quality of the seed. It's not about the, the, the skill of the sower. Everything today, speaking about the word of God, is talking about the quality of the soil of your hearts. That's what Jesus is talking about. And so this soil that he talks about is our hearts. It's the soil of our hearts. It's what lands there. And what's interesting, Jesus said this, he who has ears, let him or her hear. In other words, there's a connection between your ears and your heart. Somehow God in his wisdom has reduced the proclamation of the word of God that is eternal into sounds that come from our mouths and our vocal cords moving together and the flopping of our tongues and to words that make sense to us. We hear them first, we process in the mind, and then that is the pathway to our hearts. You can't believe anything unless you hear it proclaimed. That's why scripture says, how would they know unless someone what? Tells them. It's a vocal, it's a verbal thing. And the word of God is what we have today and we're looking at today. And so again, this is about the quality of our hearts. Again, little disclaimer, you're going to be challenged. And I'm going to ask you along the way, it's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, someone doing surgery without any, you know, uh, any, anything to numb it or anesthesia or anything. Along the way, I'm going to say, are you guys doing okay? Are you doing all right? Should I keep going? Can you handle more? Some of you would be like, I'm out of here. Some would be like, yeah, keep going. I got it, I got it, I got to keep going. But this is what Jesus wants to do today. 
People are influenced by what they hear. That's why it's very important what you allow to entertain you. It's important what you allow to, in, in your mind. It's, it's, it's very important who you allow to speak into your life. It's very important what books you read, what, what you allow to hear or what you listen to or what you read because it is the pathway that tills the soil. It's the seed that falls in your heart. And, it, and depending on where your, where your heart is, does it take root? Sometimes bad things take root. Sometimes good things take root. That's why you've got to guard what you listen to. But Jesus said this, you can hear him, you can hear the word of God, but you don't listen. Anyone here with kids ever told something to your kids and they were like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you could have swore that they listened to you, but no, they didn't. They were just hearing you. Then later you go, how come you didn't, how didn't clean your room? Oh, you didn't say that. That's what I said to you. What do you mean? Because we can, we can hear and not listen. So the, the, the impact of a true Bible message that's communicated from the Word of God, that's, that's anointed with the Spirit, isn't about the content of the message. It depends on how the Word is heard and then received into the soil of our hearts. That's what Jesus is talking about. Jesus said several times, he or she who has ears, let them here. And so we're going to look at some things today. The, there's the right way. There's, there's one way of receiving the word. And then there's the wrong way. There's the good way. Then there's the bad way. Or it's a position. It's a condition of our hearts that can keep us from receiving God's messages. And so I want to just lean in, into this today. And so let's begin with number one. I want to first look at the heart conditions that keep us from receiving God's messages. Because this is what Jesus is addressing. This is what he's addressing in my life. This is what he's addressing in your life today. He's challenging. He's leaning in on, you, on us a little bit. The word of God is speaking to us. It's, it's cutting us. It's, it's healing us. It's compelling us. But on, in the midst of all of it, we can sense his love and his care. Because God believes in you. God has a life of fruitfulness, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. He has a desire for you to be everything that he created you to be. He wants you to not live your lives and, and, and measure your lives from the fruit of your own labors. He wants you to measure your lives because of the fruit he's bringing through your life to others. This today, if you will receive it, it can transform your family. It can transform um, your, your children. It can transform your church relationships. It can transform a lot of things today. So one heart condition that keeps us from receiving God's messages or God's word is number one. And Jesus talks about it. It's what he calls a hardened heart. This to me, this is someone who is tough-minded. Now, many times we see this and we think this is talking about non-believers. But actually, I believe Jesus is talking about both. Because all of us, you can be saved and still have a hardened heart. So this is someone who has a real tough mind. This is someone who's a bit of a, I'm trying to think of the right word, a stubborn thinker. This is someone who, who has a sense of, of arrogance and pride. They're unteachable. This is a condition of resisting what God says and is saying. This is about the word of God coming to someone and immediately it's being snatched away by Satan because it doesn't go deep into the soil of your heart. You're, you're hardened by it. 
Yeah, you might be saved, you might be following Jesus, but there's an attitude of your life that has hardened your heart to receive and be teachable and be humble. And what I believe for a believer, the hardness of your heart can be created because of an attitude that you choose to walk out. It's a bad attitude towards maybe people in your life, maybe your spouse, your children, people in authority, maybe your, your spiritual leaders. It's, it's allowing a cranky, carnal, negative spirit to permeate your life and you become hardened to the words of God. You'll find it in your conversation. Somebody will tell you something that's, that's good or something they like and you will then find yourself finding three things that's wrong with what they just said. Albert Einstein said, these people um, are those who find a problem for every solution. But if you live in the spirit long enough, if you cultivate this negative spirit, your heart becomes hardened. It happens in relationships all the time. There are all of a sudden, maybe in the beginning of a relationship when there were things about each other that you loved and you just, you thought were cute. And then you get 10 years or 15 years into the marriage and all of a sudden those cute things are ticking you off now. So what has happened? Something has hardened your heart. All of a sudden you find yourself criticizing everything about them and this and why do you do this and why do you do that and why do you choose with your, chew with your mouth open? Why do you choose with your mouth closed? And why do you make so much noise when you walk up the stairs? Or, or how, how, why are you grunting like that? Will you stop grunting? Why are you snorting? Why do you blow your nose that way? What's going on? All of a sudden, what's happened? You're laughing because you know it's true. There are areas that you've allowed to become hardened towards the other person. It's the same thing that happens in our faith when we walk with God. We start to become critical on things that when you first started following Jesus and you were just thankful to be saved and thankful to be a part of a church and thankful that people loved you and thankful to be in a small group and thankful that you got to be on the worship team but thankful that you could serve in the youth ministry or thankful that you could serve anywhere. You were just like, oh my gosh, I love God. and I love What, what happened to those days? Hardness. Happens in relationships. Happens in our relationship with God. Happens with the word of God. Happens in our own hearts. And I believe this. For believers, actually for non-believers, let me say this first. For non-believers, you can, they can have hardness of heart. Where you're deaf to the gospel. You resist it immediately. No, I don't want anything to do with it. Forget you, God. They, did, they dismiss the word of God without even considering it. But for believers, it's a rejection of the Holy Spirit from, from actually allowing him to deal with unforgiveness in your life. Negativity, a critical spirit. You reject him when he begins to convict you about sin in your life. No, no, no. And the more you allow that spirit to remain and the more you resist the Holy Spirit, what happens is, you get a hardened heart. And I believe Satan has two main goals in his mission towards mankind. One, to keep us from being saved. He will lie to us. He will, he will deceive us. But if he can't keep us from being saved, 
then he will keep us from maturing and producing fruit. And he does that through hardening of our hearts. A second condition that keeps us from receiving God's messages is number two. Jesus talks about it. It's a shallow heart. This represents someone who hears the word. It's planted, and we see this a lot in church. It's planted. In fact, they receive it with joy, as Jesus said. They're excited. They're happy for the word of God. They endure it for a while. They show signs of maturity. They show signs of growth. And little buds are popping out, and they're super pumped, and God's using them. They're growing well. They look promising, but then life happens. Life happens. Something goes wrong. Something gets flipped upside down in their life. Things don't work out the way that they thought they would. And all of a sudden, this growth begins to wither. They go through trial. Their job doesn't work out. They get laid off. They go through a financial struggle at some point. They get sick. A loved one gets sick. They lose a loved one. Their pet dies. I've seen it. Someone's pet died, and they fell into all questions about their faith and why God would do this. You know what that is? It's a shallow heart. And all, this, all these things happen to them that they can't control, and it's not, it's not, this, it's not like my life wasn't like Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory. My life isn't like Disneyland. I was promised Disneyland. Jesus didn't promise you Disneyland. He promised you peace, joy, salvation, acceptance, a family. But he never said it was going to be easy. But he said, I would be with you through hell and high water. You will overcome. And all the growth in the shallow heart stops. Doubt comes in, they start questioning God, and that which was quickly green is now quickly gone. And Jesus said when the, at the heat of the sun or life trials starts bearing down and trouble comes, as trouble will, I promise you it will, these people fade away. And when heat gets turned up on their lives, they question everything. This is what Jesus is talking about. It's a shallow heart. Now, I do want you to hear something from me today. These three conditions of the heart are what our hearts are susceptible to, every single one of us. These three conditions. And then we have, to, we have to stay before God to keep our hearts from being hardened, to make sure our heart is not shallow. And the last one is to make sure that we don't have a distracted heart. This is the third condition of the heart soil that Jesus is talking about here. Some seed fell on good soil, but as the wheat began to grow or the grain began to grow, so did the weeds, so, so did the thorns, so did other things that began to grow up amongst the good, the word of God, amongst what the seed that was planted began to grow up and began to, to, to choke out that which God was doing. And the good plant, or sorry, the, the, the good, yeah, the good plant was being strangled. The fruit of the good seed was being strangled by these other things. This group of people that Jesus talks about is really better off than the first two. 
But what happens, they eventually become distracted by, by these three things that Jesus identifies in that passage. By worry, desire for other things, and by wealth. By wealth. They're distracted by them. And what happens is this, is all of a sudden the present life becomes more consuming, more important than the one who gave them their present life. The things of this world begin to distract them and pull them and seduce them away. And so much for, so that they became distracted by them, consumed with them. More than the one who gave, gives them life. More than the one who planted seed. More than the word of God that's going into their hearts. This is what's called a distracted heart. And I'd be willing to bet you if I was a betting man, and I'm not. I'd be willing to bet you that many of us in this room, all of us actually in this room, could check the box of one of these conditions today. It may not be your whole heart, but it could be an area of your heart. And I think this is the condition that most believers struggle with in their own hearts. I would say today, I, I know many of you, most of you, the reality is, I don't think any of us have a hardened heart, like completely hardened against God, but there's areas that are hardened. So we wouldn't be the first one who totally rejects God's word. Or maybe there's, I, I don't think, I don't think there's, there's a whole lot of us that, that maybe have maybe a shallow heart, maybe some of us. Or you, or you just hear the word and you're like, ah, oh, whatever, I'm okay, I don't need it. And you just dismiss it. I believe that many of you here that listen to come to church and listen to the word of God, that you love the Bible, that you receive it, you hide it in your hearts. It's a, it's a part of your life. You've made a commitment to do so. I believe that you want to see a spiritual harvest in your life. But, then there are, there, but, but what happens is this, that all of us, many of us are like this. That other things get in the way, in the way. Other things we're doing, the busyness of life, the worries of the world, activities. It demands your attention. It demands your allegiance. And then all of a sudden we find that God's word isn't as fruitful if we'd like for it, as we would like for it to be. And these are these areas that Jesus identified. What's very interesting is about this word worry the Latin word for worry literally means to strangle. The worry would weave its vines throughout your, the, good, the good seed, the good plants in your life that's developing and begin to strangle it. This other piece of money, the whole idea is this. Money lies to us all the time. You know what it says? It says this. If you had more of me, then all of your problems would be solved. You'd be happy if you could just get more of me, just get enough of me. And you'll come to this place where you'll actually begin to believe the lie. This is a distracted heart. That you'll believe the lie that all you really need is more money. And so what happens is when you believe the lie, no matter what it is, you start acting like that lie is true. Then you start living your life like if I could just get more money, then all my needs would be met. And it's a distraction away from Jesus, a distraction from the way of the word of God. If you believe the lie, it can affect you. So I want to I just, as we see those three heart conditions, I want to move into this next, sec, this next section here. Heart positions that allow us to hear God's messages. Are you guys with me today? Again, Jesus talks about he who has ears, let him hear. Which means you can hear the word of God. You, it can go deep in your heart. It can produce good fruit. 
And everyone listening, remember he's talking to us today, he's talking to the people on the, on the shores today. Everyone listening, they have ears, but are they listening? And what Jesus is talking about now is an open heart, that the seed of the word of God goes deep, that you open your heart and you receive it and it goes in. And it begins to produce fruit. It begins to, to bring forth amazing things in your life. And, but Jesus is, starts talking about there's different percentage, percentages of harvest. There's, there's 30, there's 60, and there's 100-fold. 100-fold return, 30-fold return, 60-fold return. But this is what many people don't know. A 30-fold return back in these days at a harvest was not considered anything good. It was considered average. It was actually a weak harvest. A 60% was considered a good harvest. But here's the deal. A hundredfold was considered a miracle. And Jesus begins to lay out. He says, listen, you can have good soil and you can still choose to be, have a, a weak fruitfulness. You can have a moderate fruitfulness or you can have a miracle. Which one do you want? And our desire and my desire is for us to cultivate who we are as a church, for you as believers, for us to begin to experience miraculous multiplication of God's word in our lives. That's one of the reasons why I'm committed to preach through this book, to give the word of God in context, to say, okay, now Jesus said this, and this is when he said it. This is who he said it to. This is why he said it. This is the context of it. This is the historical background of it, because it's the true un unadulterated word of God. I'm not trying to find the word of God that fits my topic. I'm, I'm allowing the, the scriptures to address a topic for us today. And you get to preach on things you normally wouldn't. And it's not your fault, it's the Bible's fault. <laughs> but this is what we want, isn't it? We want the word of God. We want to have the heart that is open. And this is something you need to know. It is only by the grace of God that your hearts can be open to receive his word. That's why we don't try harder. We just acknowledge that we need him and we run to Jesus for these areas. That's what, that's, that's what this is about. But here's the deal. The hundredfold return doesn't happen accidentally. It happens intentionally. I grew up in a farming community, very southern tip of Illinois. We had 500 people in my town, 5,000 people in the whole county. What that means is there was a lot of farming that went on. There was a lot of fields. And every year you'd see the fields after the harvest, they'd grow up. And what would happen? The farmers would come in. You'd have to plow out, plow out all of the weeds. And then you would spray the field to get rid of the weeds that would choke it out. And then if there was any dirt clods or hard dirt clods, they'd have to plow it again and plow it again. Or if they needed a, more, a, a bigger field or another field to get a better harvest or return, they would have to clear a field. And so you'd chop down trees, you'd chop down stumps, you'd clear it all out, you'd rip it out. You'd, you'd then, then you have to get the rocks out, then you have to get all of it. Why? Because unless your field is clear, you are not going to get the, the return that is possible. And it's the same way with our own hearts. The rocky paths or the rocky things in our lives or the rocks on our field, or maybe it's a, it's, a, it's a negativity, all that must be removed from our lives. And you can't do it without Jesus. This is about recognizing, all right, God, you're right. I need you to do some work in my field. I need you to come in and remove these rocks. 
Lord, I don't know why I have a critical spirit. I don't know why I struggle so much in this area. I don't know why the sin is in my life. But, Lord, I, I, I surrender to you. Can you meet me today? Can you help clear out my field so that I can get the return that, that I know you want for me? The trees and the stumps of our carnal thinking. It's not about us working harder, trying harder. It's us surrendering more to Jesus and saying, Lord, will you get a, get a big old stinking bulldozer in here and clear out my field? Because I got some issues going on. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. Say this with me. Say, I've got issues. That's great. That's the first time some of you have ever said that. I wanted you to say it today. <laughs> we need Jesus to come in and clear us out. We need him to come. You can't do it alone. You need the love and the grace of God. And what will happen is when you go on this journey to allow God to clear your hearts, all of a sudden the enemy starts, see, if you were really godly, you wouldn't need Jesus as much. You're such a failure. You blew it. Why are you going to ask Jesus to come and clear it? This, this is the tenth time he's had to clear your feet. He's tired of you. And all of a sudden we start to believe the lie. And we stop running to Jesus. And we live in a mediocre return of the word of God in our lives. And so I just want to give us some positions of the heart that help us receive God's word, God's messages to us. Number one is this, very simple one, but be greedy for the word. Be greedy. To, to be greedy means, man, I got this one thing focused. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it. I'm going to get more of it. I'm going to be greedy. I'm going to get me some of God's word. This is about positioning yourself to receive this is about paying close attention to what is being said. This is about when you go to a Bible study, when you come to church. We need to be greedy to receive. We need to walk in this door. I'm going to receive something from God today. I'm, he's speaking today. I'm going to receive it. I'm going to get it. There are some who are greedy. There are some who, who push through. There are some who, who silence everything. So they can hear the word. God's speaking to you. You need to come to worship and say, I'm going to receive from God today in worship. I'm going to receive my healing today through the power of God through worship. I'm going to receive what God is saying to me. I'm going to receive uh, from the God that we're worshiping to. This is what it means to be greedy. It means to be intentional about receiving from God. Because I promise you, he wants you to have more. Well, Pastor Nathan was talking about. He said, God, what do you want to do today? And God spoke to him, I want more. That's what he wants for your life. He wants more for you. That's why we need to come in. God, I, I, want all, I want to get all I can of you. I want to can all I can get from you. I want to store it. I want to put it in my basement. I'm going to load every area up in my life with your word because I'm greedy for it. That's what this is about. It's a, it's a position of our hearts. God, I want more of you. Can I have more of you? And he says, yes, you can. It's, it's how do we position ourselves to be greedy? It's kind of like, have you ever ha had some blood tests done by a doctor and you were a bit nervous about how they were going to turn out? And so you're just waiting on the phone call. You're just waiting on the phone call. And so you're at home, your phone rings, you know it's the doctor. What do you do? Kids, shut up! Turn the, turn the TV off! Everybody be quiet! You click, hello? You listen. 
You, get, you start writing it. Okay, all right, yes, yes, okay, all right, all right. You're listening. You're attentive. You probably don't tell your kids to shut up. That was a joke. So, okay, maybe you do. Never mind, I'll just move on. So, but you're attentive. You're listening. You're not, you're, not, you're, not on, you're not like, when he calls you, you're not thinking, you know, you're not like cooking something in a microwave, beep, 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 beep. Oh, excuse me, what's that? Sorry, I wasn't. No, no, you are listening. Because you want to hear because what he says is important to you. It's the same posture that when we come to receive the word, when we sit down to read the word, when we, when we sit to receive from, from the voice of God in worship and worship and we come with the same heart, same posture. I'm telling you this, if we as a church would make a commitment to do that, we would see God move in a mighty way in our church. I promise you we would. And that's what God's inviting us. Come on, come on. We come a little closer. Come, come on. Listen, listen. Have you ever had surgery and you leave the surgery room? I've had a couple surgeries throughout, throughout the years. And, and you're, you're like, you're waking up and, and so you're sitting there and the doctor's like, this is what you need to do when you get home. You need this and this and this and this and this. If you have a spouse, listen, my, I look over my wife's, listen, she's writing it down. Okay, what about this? What about this? What about, she's asking questions. What about this? Okay, what, about, what does he need for this? What, why? Because you're attentive. You're in a position to be, to, to receive that's how we are to come when it, when it comes to the word of God. That's why Psalm 1 says this, blessed is the one whose delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on the law day and night. You focus on it. You think about it. You quiet other things out and you say, I'm giving God, I'm giving you this time. The second thing that you can do to receive position of your heart to receive the word, God's message is number two, be obedient to what you hear. This is very important. The difference between people who have hard hearts, shallow hearts, crowded hearts, or distracted hearts is the one who has the open heart. The person with the open heart hears it, listens, and does it. Not in their own power, but Lord, because your word has been spoken, because I've received that from you, because I know this is true. Lord, I acknowledge I can't do this on my own, but I'm asking you to give me the ability to live out what I've just heard. Please don't, don't leave here. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not telling you to work harder, try harder, just crucify yourself harder, 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 harder. No, I'm saying this. Acknowledge that you need Jesus and invite him into your life to help you. Be intentional about, Lord, I want you to help me live the word of God out in my life. But he's given us the word of God to, for us to know, what God, what, what do I need to ask you to help me change? What do I need to surrender? What do I need to give up? It's like a mirror is what James says in James chapter 1. He says this, do not merely listen to the word. Here, here he is, he's repeating what Jesus said. And so deceive yourself, do what it says. Say this with me, do what it says. Say it one more time, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says. It's like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after is looking at himself, goes away and, and immediately forgets what he looks like or with the scripture immediately looks and forgets what he should look like. This is about immediate, immediate obedience. Asking God to help you with immediate obedience. Listen, my, my dad was an amazing father, but he had, the, he had this rule and it was this. 
<laughs> Actually, it was more of like, do I need to tell you that twice? No. Nope, no dad. No, 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 I'll do it, I'll do it. Hang on, hang on. Let me do it. It was immediate obedience. He says, sons, because he worked away from home, he traveled quite a bit, so he, he had to run a tight ship at home. He loved us. He, he was very kind to us, and I, I love my father. I miss him a lot because I don't get to see him very often. But he, he said this, sons, I'll tell you to do it one time. One time. And to my sister, he said, just, just keep asking me. I'll keep telling you. It's fine. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> That's what little girls do to you. No, he said, I, I'll tell you once. So my, when my dad said something, when he was a man of few words, it meant he means it. And so I'm so thankful because when I began walking with the Lord closer and closer, I, I, there was, I, listen, I never said to my dad, well, dad, um, I know you've told me to do that, but um, I don't think what you said is really what you meant to say. That's how we approach the word of God. It's like, we, it's like how we respond to our own dads. Yeah, I know that's what, I know that's what he said, but it's not really what he meant. Or actually, dad, dad, I'm just, you're just a little old fashioned. It's, it's, you know, it's 2019, Dad. You don't get it. Listen, if I would have said it to my dad, I wouldn't be here today, just so you're right. <laughs> just kidding. Love you, Dad, if you're watching. I love you so much. So. But that's how we approach our father. That's how we approach the word of God sometimes. We think it's, it's negotiation time. We think, oh, yeah, but that's not really, that's not, No. James is very clear. If we read the word and then we go away and we don't do what it says, we've forgotten what it means to actually walk with God. When you hear something, when you read something from God's word, God says, obey it immediately. Do your best to obey it immediately. If you, like, call out to me, ask me to help you obey it immediately. Don't put it off. Just do it. The last one is this. We as believers are also to commit to help spread God's word. Part of partaking of the word of God, if you receive it, this is, this is what fruit reproduces its kind, right? So you plant, if you plant a, an apple seed, it will grow an apple tree, produce apple, apples, and then there's seed, which will then be planted and reproduce of its kind. So, any tree always reproduces its own kind. Any fruit only produces its own kind. What happens when you receive the Word of God and you begin to eat it, you begin to obey it, all of a sudden you begin to reproduce the reflection of the one who planted the seed in your life. You begin, as you begin to apply the word, you begin to reflect the author of the word. You begin to, to, to begin to share. You begin to have a burden for those who don't know Jesus. You begin to have a burden for those who are broken in their journey. You want to help them and serve them because someone helped you and served you. You begin to care about the things that your father cares about. You don't walk around thinking about, about this negative stuff or I don't like, I, I like church's coffee or I don't like this or I don't like that. And, and I'm not just not talking about the church. We, we, get, we, get, we, we do this on each other. I don't like you and I don't like that. And I, I, What in the world? We are not reflecting 
the one who planted the word in us. We're not, re, we're not reproducing of the kind of seed that has landed in our hearts. If that is the fruit of our life, then we have allowed another plant, another seed to be planted in the soil of our hearts. And we're producing what will cause us more pain in our own lives. And this is part of following God is that we are committed to help spread the word of God. And I will say this, it takes unselfish people who obey God's word to spread God's word. It takes an unselfish church to be open to grow and reach more people. Why? Because it's not about me anymore. It's about, can we get one more? Can we reach one more? Can we save this this family? Can God use us to reach that family? There's a story about this grandmother who she was a part of this church for 60 years, not this church, another church, for 60 years. And these new young people came into the church one Sunday. And they were sitting in a row. And she walked up to them and said, I need you to move. This is my seat. And guess what? They moved and they never came back. I heard the pastor tell this whole story. But the pastor went up to the grandmother and said, hey, do you have any grandkids that don't know Jesus? She says, oh, yes. He said, um, if they came, would you give them your seat? She said, oh, yes. Then she said, oh, I see. Sometimes we forget that our job is to bring others to the Savior that we've found. Sometimes we forget that the whole purpose of why God sent his son into the world was to reach a dying and lost and broken and broken world and broken people. Sometimes we forget that we were the dying, lost, broken per- person that someone shared Christ with us. Sometimes somewhere along the way, we become hardened, we become shallow, and we become selfish. But God says, if you want to have an open heart, if you want to obey me, if you want to follow me, this is part of it, is you are committed to spread the word of God with your church family, not just locally, but around the world. That's what your call is. And we all say, Amen. That's what our call is. And so my desire for us is to partner with God, to obey God, then to reflect Him in the manifestation and the fruit of our lives. That's what God wants for you. And we all do it differently. We all are part of spreading it differently. But we're all a team. That's why it's called the body of Christ. One's a hand, one's a mouthpiece, one's an ear, one's a butt. That's just how it is. Sorry, I don't, sometimes I, that's just how it is. So that's why we need each other to be the body so that we can spread God's word, reach more people, obey his word, grow together, be in small groups together, reach people together, be on mission together. That's God's purpose for us as a church. I just want to give you two quick words, and I want to encourage you for this, um, this week, maybe this month. How do, you, how do you help spread God's word? Very simple one, you invest in relationships that God has set around you. Invest in relationships with non-believers. Everybody say invest. Invest in relationships with non-believers. God didn't call us to be in a holy huddle. He did not call us to be we four and no more. He called us to reach the world. Invest 
And then, very simple one, invite them to church. Invest and invite them to church. Invest and invite them to church. Listen, people are hurting. They need hope. They want hope. The worst they could tell you is no, but keep investing. Keep investing. Keep manifesting the relentlessness that God had towards you in reaching you and sharing his word with you and bringing people around you to love you, to serve you, and eventually God used them to plant his word in your heart. And that's why you're here today. Everybody say invest and invite. That's it. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, check our website at www.faith.church.